Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Another lady told me just the other day that though she was married to one man, God had actually sent her a different man and that God wanted her to divorce her husband and marry this other man. She went on to talk about her religion. Her religion was Christianity and how that she loved Jesus, which I guess would go along with Christianity, wouldn't it? And how that Jesus was cool with the fact that she was going to divorce her husband to be with this man. Is that the will of God? Does God really do those kinds of things? Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Marriage Radio. Most of the time, our radio programs are not about religion. You see, our 501c3 nonprofit, Marriage Helper, works with marriages, and particularly with marriages in crisis, and we don't base it on our religion. You see, I happen to be a Christian. I won't hide my Christianity from anybody. But we don't base what we do in helping couples on our Christianity. We base it on good, solid social science research. Now, you might be saying, well, if you are a Christian, then that's part of who and what you are. And that's true. And that affects how you see things. Yeah, I agree with that, too. I'm sure it does. But typically, when we're helping people, we're basing things on social research, not on some book, chapter, and verse. Yet, in this program, I'm going to be doing that a little differently. Because if the question is, did God send me my lover? Did God want me to leave my spouse to be with this other person that God has put in my life? then obviously I have to deal with it from a standpoint of Scripture. Because if you're saying this is the will of God, the only way to understand the will of God is to see what he wrote in his Bible. Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't, I don't need that. God just speaks to me directly. Now, please don't think I'm being offensive because I don't mean to be. But you understand that any person can say, God told me this or God told me that. That doesn't mean that God did. And if you're saying, oh, no, no, but you don't understand. Yeah, I had this deep conviction within. I know it was the voice of God speaking to me. My response would be, I'm not denying that God can speak to people if he chooses. But is it possible? I mean, is it just possible that what you are hearing is the voice of God might be your own intense desire? And the fact that you're... mm, Putting away relationships with other people who also try to follow God might be an indication of that very same thing. So a lady told me the other day, you know, I love God. I love Jesus. Hey, God sent me this man. I'm in love with him. I'm going to marry him after I divorce my husband. But I'm done with church, she said, because those church people are just so mean. They keep telling me that what I'm doing is wrong, and they don't understand that love is what God's all about. And as a matter of fact, somebody even said that the other day. Well, since love is of God, and I love this other man, then loving this other man is of God. Therefore, it's the will of God. Hmm. Now, let's just look at that from a biblical standpoint, if we may. Because things like that sound pretty. And at face value, it may even sound more than poetic. It may sound true, like, wow, that makes sense. If God is love and I love this other man, then that must be of God. But that syllogism, that's actually what that's called in logic, that syllogism falls apart. So let's look at it from a Bible standpoint. 
Now, again, I'm, I'm not trying to condemn. I'm not trying to be holier than thou. I'm certainly not pointing fingers. If we want to have a, quote, sin contest, end quote, <laughs> I imagine I'll win. I've done a number of things in my lifetime that were very much in contradiction to my own beliefs and values. They were in contradiction to my understanding of the Bible, therefore the will of God. I am a Christian. I have been living my life for many years now in harmony with God as best I can, but I did leave my wife for another woman. Well, it was over 30 years ago, but I was so madly in love with her, head over heels with her, that I divorced my wife to be with her. And if you're thinking, well, okay, Joe, at the time then, did you believe that God had sent her to you? And the answer is no. Now, I have a bachelor's degree in Bible. I have over 30 graduate hours in Bible. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm a Bible student. But you see, because I did know so much about the Bible, I couldn't convince myself that God had sent me this other woman because I knew what the passages had to say. And I couldn't twist those passages to fit my belief. Therefore, I never made that claim personally. Now, already you're thinking, oh, wait, I just heard you say twist the passages. Is that what you say I'm doing? Look, I'm not here to argue. I just want to share what the scripture says. And you, I'm going to be giving you a book, chapter, and verse, you see, and you should feel free. As a matter of fact, I urge you to go back and look at these passages in context. Look at the verses before them. Look at the verses after them and see if I'm misinterpreting the scripture. But you see, if you want to say, God wants me to do this, then nothing God's telling you to do is going to be in contradiction to the word that he gave us to follow. And so we look at the Bible to see how what we think or what we feel is in harmony with what God thinks or feels. Now, again, if you're saying, yeah, but I know, I know a spirit, some spirit, it was the spirit of God, I'm convinced, told me to divorce my husband or divorce my wife and to be with my lover. This is going to sound really bad, but let me just share this passage with you. It's in 1 John chapter 4. We'll begin in verse 1 in the NIRV. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see if they belong to God. And so let's just use that premise. We're not going to believe every spirit. We're not going to believe every emotion. We're not going to believe every thought we have. Well, then how am I going to test that? How am I going to test the spirits to see if they belong to God? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Scripture. And I ask you, if you will, if you really truly believe that God sent you this person, then surely you have no objection to seeing what God says in the Bible. I'm going to do my best not to give Beam's opinion. I'm going to do my best not to preach some kind of church doctrine at you. I don't want to do that. But just give you the verses. Let you look at the verses yourself and see what they say. Because if indeed, if indeed you want to be in harmony with God, then surely you want to be in harmony with Scripture. And you shouldn't be afraid of just looking at a verse or two for fear that somehow it will convince you that you're wrong. If indeed you really want to be in harmony with God. Don't be afraid of that. Embrace the word. And about those spirits things? Well, okay. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 4, again in the NIRV. It says, the Holy Spirit clearly says... Then in the last days, some people will leave the faith. They will follow spirits that fool them. Hmm. Fool them? That's right. And it goes on to say their sense of what is right and wrong has been destroyed. 
Now that's in verse 2, but it's still 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verses 1 and 2. So the spirits, some kind of spirits could fool us, mm-hmm. so that they can actually corrupt our sense of what is right and wrong or change it. Actually, the verse here says destroy it. Mm-hmm. That can happen. And the way we test that and make sure that that doesn't happen is that rather than listening to the voices in our head, which might come from a spirit, I guess, but more often, as a matter of fact, maybe most often, maybe maybe even altogether, comes from our own desires, our own emotions. So let's just start with the basic teaching. This is from the New Century Version. What does it say? Well, Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 4, again, the NCV. Jesus was answering a question, and here's how he answered it. Surely you have read in the scriptures, when God made the world, he made them male and female. And God said, so a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one body. So they are not two but one. God has joined the two together, so no one should separate them. You see one? Well, it's in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, and in verse 6, he said, well, you may have heard it more likely in the way the King James phrased it back in the day, the King James Version, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. What a more modern way to say that same thing is God's joined the two together, so no one should separate them. Now, this is the teaching of Jesus. This is not some preacher beating a pulpit and teaching his own doctrine. This is Jesus saying, okay, God doesn't want you to separate. He wants you to together. And what happens if you actually divorce and marry somebody else? Well, you'll go down to verse 9 of the same chapter, Matthew 19. And Jesus said, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman is guilty of adultery. Oh, what? Adultery is a violation of the marriage contract, the marriage covenant. So obviously, if I divorce my wife to marry somebody else, then I'm breaking that marriage covenant. Does he want us to do that? No. No, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, he says, All of you should honor marriage. Again, I'm reading from the NIRV, the New International Reader's Version. All of you should honor marriage. You should keep the marriage bed pure. God will judge a person who commits adultery. He'll judge everyone who commits sexual sins. So as one woman told me, she said, I know that God sent me this man. Now, I do admit that I shouldn't have slept with him before I divorced my husband and married him. But I'm quite convinced that God has forgiven me of that. And it doesn't negate the fact that God sent me this man. Okay. But just understand in the passages we read, he said, do not make the marriage bed impure. In other words, don't sleep with somebody else. Whereas he will say in Ephesians 5, beginning of verse 3, there should not even be a hint of sexual sin among you. Don't do anything impure. And do not always want more and more. These are not the things God's holy people should do. So, if indeed you're married to one person and you are sleeping with another person, you are in violation of Scripture in the sense that you are violating the marriage covenant. And if you say, but, but I know God sent this person to me, the question becomes, he just said God's holy people don't do this. And he said that, that we should all honor marriage and all keep the marriage bed pure. So my question is, why would you think, and I'm just asking this question, I want you to answer in your own mind, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm not trying to set you up. I mean, it's just a really 
honest question for me to ask, and if you're honest with yourself, I hope you answer. How would God or why would God send you a person with whom you would become unholy by making the marriage bed impure, by sleeping with this other person? And you understand I'm using sleeping as a euphemism for sex, having sex with somebody you're not married to. God says that's wrong. Then don't you think it's pretty much a stretch? I mean, a real stretch to think that God sent me the person to do that with? Okay, all right. Even if you say, okay, okay, I buy that. God didn't want me to do that. But God wanted me to fall in love with this person, and God wanted me to leave my spouse. Hmm. Then what do we do with that passage we just read in Matthew 19, where Jesus said, well, I'll use the King James Version again, what man has joined together, I'm sorry, what God has joined together, let not man separate. I want passages like in the book of Malachi where God says, I hate divorce. Now, if those things are true, then why would God be sending you a person to do the very thing he told you not to do? I don't want you to separate, Matthew 19. I don't want you to divorce, Malachi chapter 2. Well, I think sometimes, at least with me, at least with me. Now, again, I didn't say that God had sent me my lover. My biblical training kept me from doing that, but I, I was quite convinced that it's what I wanted to do with my life, and I did focus on the hypocrisies and inconsistencies of church people. That kind of helped me do what I wanted to do by saying I'm no worse than all those people. But from this standpoint, when I look back, I, I look at a passage like a Galatians chapter 5, beginning of verse 16, where that, again, NIRV says, live by the Holy Spirit's power then you'll not do what your desires controlled by sin want you to do. The desires controlled by sin do not want what the Spirit delights in. Now, if you're saying, but my desires are not controlled by, my, by sin, my desire is to be fulfilled and happy. Okay, I don't know that any desire, any motivation is ever 100% pure. I mean, they're always mixed with other things. And I can understand that a person having a desire to be fulfilled, a person having a desire to be happy, that in and of itself is not, not a bad desire. But if, if that desire has mixed in with being with a person you have no right to be with, I mean, committing adultery in the sense that you're, you're married to one person and you're sleeping with another person, hmm, then wouldn't that really be a desire that is being controlled by the sin if you understand that it's a sin to sleep with this other person? God doesn't want us to do that. As a matter of fact, if you go and read in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19, he gives a whole list of things that people do that are sinful. And then beginning in verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces, is love, joy, and peace. You go, okay, but yeah, I do have love. I love this other person. That's what's making this okay. Hmm. Does love justify violating the other scriptures where he says, don't be controlled by sin? Desire what the Holy Spirit desires? He said, well, I do desire what the Holy Spirit desires. I desire to be loved and I desire to give love. Yes, but the Holy Spirit's also the one who wrote in the Bible, don't defile the marriage bed, don't make it impure. He's also the one that spoke through Jesus who said what God put together, don't let men separate. 
And if you say those things like, well, because God is love, and this relationship with this new person is love, therefore it's of God, that logic falls in on itself. It's not like, it sounds pretty, but it doesn't really prove anything. So let me go back. Again, Galatians 5, beginning verse 22, but the fruit the Holy Spirit produces is love, joy, and peace. It is being patient, kind, and good. Listen to this next phrase. It is being faithful. Hmm. Being faithful and gentle and having control of oneself. There's no law against these kinds of things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their sinful desires to the cross. What does that mean? Well, it means that they don't want to do the things that are contradictory to the Spirit of God, to the teaching of God. Now, if you're saying, okay, but but wait a minute, what if I'm not sleeping with the other person? What if it's just an emotional connection? Then it's still okay, and I'll still divorce my spouse to be with him or her, and we won't have sex until we're married. Hmm. Okay, Jesus kind of spoke to that too in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. I'm reading from the New Century Version this time. He says, you have, sir, you have heard that it was said you must not be guilty of adultery. He's, by the way, quoting from the Ten Commandments. It's one of the big ten. Don't commit adultery. But I tell you that if anyone looks at a woman and wants to sin sexually with her, in his mind he's already done that sin with that woman. Now, obviously it applies equally to women lusting after men, but before I ever slept with the woman that I was leaving my wife for back all those years ago. I very much craved an emotional connection with her that led into my desire to be one with her in every sense of the word, not just, not just caring about her and her caring about me, not just feeling this deep, intense love emotions for her that she reciprocated by feeling for me, but wanting to be one completely in the sense that I wanted to unite with her sexually. You say, well, then you didn't commit adultery until you finally slept with her. Well, based on the passage I just read for you, Matthew chapter 5, beginning of verse 27, I committed adultery with her when I decided that I really wanted to sleep with her. Because in my mind, I'd already done it. I mean, I wasn't picturing out every little nuance of it. Don't understand. No, don't think I'm meaning that that way. It does mean, though, that I so craved being with her that I really did. I really did want to be with her sexually. And adultery, if you understand the word adultery, means violation of the marriage contract, the marriage covenant. By developing the emotional relationship with her that I did, I violated my covenant with my wife, Alice. Because my, my openness, my transparency, my emotional connection was no longer with Alice. And I convinced myself that it hadn't been for years. It was with this new person in my life. And therefore, I did. I did violate that big ten, the Ten Commandments thing, thou shalt not commit adultery. I did that. And God, I'm convinced, does not give you a person with whom you will commit adultery. God's not going to give you somebody that's going to lead you to do the thing that you should not do. It would be like God knowing I have a propensity for being an alcoholic, which, by the way, I do, and, you know, AA is a really good thing. I believe in it wholeheartedly. It'd be like God um, giving me a job working in a liquor store or in a bar. He said, well, couldn't God give you that job? Yeah. 
But if God knows my particular propensities and weaknesses, I'm quite convinced that God's not going to put me in a place. As a matter of fact, remember that model prayer that Jesus taught and lead us not into temptation. We actually pray and Jesus taught us to pray. God don't put me in the situations where I'll be tempted to do wrong. Jesus wouldn't have taught us to ask that of God unless God wants us to understand that he's not going to lead us into the places where the temptations are. In other words, God's not going to give me another woman to fall in love with when I'm married to Alice. Nor is, she, is he going to give Alice another man to fall in love with when she's in love with me. I mean, when she's married to me. Let me make sure I get these wordings right. What do you mean, Joan? I mean, if you look at the scriptures, then I don't know how you could ever find any verse. And if it's there and you, you know it's there, please share it with me. I'm going to learn it. I want to know it's there. I don't want a lot of people. But I don't know of any verse that would ever justify me leaving Alice for another woman. And I don't know how I ever, ever could say, and the reason I'm leaving Alice for this other woman is because God sent her to me. God wants me to be with her. I may think that. I may believe that with all my heart. I even may think a spirit told me that. But because it's in contradiction to the word of God, that spirit was not of God. That desire in my heart is not of God. As a matter of fact, Paul in Galatians would call it a, a sinful desire. It's not of God. It's a, God. it's a desire all about me. Really. What I want, what I feel, and that God's somehow going to bless that. And I even run across people who say, I prayed about whether I should leave my husband for this other man. And God answered my prayer that I should. I should leave my husband for this other man. Now think about that for a minute. Would God really answer your prayer in a direct contradiction to what he said in his word? Now, if you want to do what you want to do, it's your choice. You can go do it. But I'm begging of you. Don't lie to yourself to try to convince yourself it's of God when it's not. And if you prayed, God, should I leave my wife so I could go be with this other woman? And then you felt that you got an answer for God. Yes, let's leave your wife, go to this other woman. You can know that was not God because God said, don't commit adultery. God said, what God has put together, don't let man put asunder. God said, I hate divorce. God said, if you want to be with this woman sexually already, you've already committed adultery, and that's wrong. Now, you might go ahead and say, well, in that case, I should just go ahead and divorce because I'm already guilty of adultery. Boy, I would see that as a great manipulation of the Word of God. He's not trying to give us a justification to do bad things. He isn't. Nowhere in the Scripture does He give us justification to do bad things. He just doesn't do it. He keeps calling us to righteousness and to holiness. And if you look in that, again, Galatians chapter 5, where he talks about the works of the flesh, that's the King James Version, the sinful desires, that's what you read in the newer translations. And it starts talking about all those things and then contrasts it with what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, such as be faithful, then that's the will of God. So again, if you intend to divorce your wife or your husband and go be with another person, you certainly can do that. I mean, our laws in this day and time pretty well make that a, a thing you can do, whether the other person, whether your spouse wants you to do it or not. But please be honest enough. Please be honest enough to not say that God sanctions that. And if you're thinking, oh, but wait a minute, I found a minister, I found a pastor 
who actually concurred and said, yes, that's what God wants you to do. Oh, then you have a pastor or a minister who has no respect for the word of God. A pastor or minister who is going with whatever he or she thinks they want to do. Even if their denomination encourages that. Understand that it's still in contradiction with the Bible. I've read you the passages. I mean, you can look at them. You can see. Now, I'm going to end out of the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs. Please um, listen to it all the way through. It's kind of straight talk, but you understand that as it's written in the book of Proverbs, straight talk was called for. I am not reading this to try to condemn you or make you feel terrible. I am not reading it to even try to condemn the person with whom you're in love. I'm really not. But it's in the book, the Bible, and it's about how God thinks about these things. And I just want you to see another passage that says that. It's Proverbs chapter 5. I'm reading from the New Century Version, starting at verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen to my words of understanding. Be careful to use good sense and watch what you say. The words of another man's wife may seem sweet as honey. They may be as smooth as olive oil, but in the end, she'll bring you sorrow, causing you pain like a two-edged sword. Now, let me just stop to say there. Uh, in our organization, we have worked with thousands and thousands of couples over the years. In this organization and the one I was with before, another nonprofit, thousands and thousands of couples, I have seen so many people leave their spouse to go be with somebody else thinking this is going to be the most amazing things that ever happened. It's going to be wonderful the rest of our lives. And I have heard the stories about the sorrow that comes later. When the thrill is gone, when it's no longer this intense emotions that pull them together, when it normalizes and comes down to real world situations, then they begin to realize all the things they lost, what they gave up, the relationships with their children, for example, the respect of their friends, the violation of their own beliefs and values where they look back and go, man, how could I ever have done something so contradictory to what I once believed? Even the other relationships that they lose and sometimes the great financial losses that they take because they've done all this. And so when it says in the end, she'll bring you sorrow, causing you pain like a two-edged sword, I'm telling you that... I've seen that. So what's he talking about? Look what he said. Be careful to use good sense and watch what you say. May I suggest you apply that to saying that God sent you somebody to divorce your spouse for and be with? Use good sense. Watch what you say. How do you think God will react in the long run? Say it's the end of the world. Say you're finally facing him on judgment day. And he looks at you and says, you know what my book said? Do not commit adultery. Do not make the marriage bed unpure. Um, be faithful. Stay married till you die. You know what God put together, let not man separate. You know what my book said, and yet you said to people, you told people that I sent you a person to commit adultery with, that I sent you the person to leave your spouse for. How do you think God might react to that when you're finally with him face to face? I mean, have you ever been misquoted? Has somebody ever used your words to justify something they did and they used your words that you didn't say? <laughs> they twisted it around and, and therefore did something that you were in total disharmony with. And then you found out about it, that they used you to justify that? I've actually had that happen to me. Maybe you've had it happen to you. And if you 
did, maybe you felt like I did. Yeah, I was angry. How dare you claim that I said that to justify that thing that you did? You know that that's totally outside of what I believe in value. How dare you use me as your justification for doing it? Now, if that's what I feel as a human being, what do you think God may feel come judgment day? So he says, beginning again in verse 2, be careful to use good sense and watch what you say. The words of another man's wife may seem sweet as honey. They may be as smooth as olive oil, but in the end she'll bring you sorrow, causing you pain like a two-edged sword. She is on the way to death. Her steps are headed straight to the grave. All right, this is not trying to beat the other person up. It really isn't. It's just saying that no matter what they say, no matter how wonderful it sounds, this direction is not toward life. This direction is not toward goodness and holiness. This direction, no matter how you want to phrase it, make it sound so good like God is love. This is love. Therefore, this is of God. That's not taking it to the light. That's not taking it to the right. That's not taking it to the good or holy. It's taking you toward darkness, toward what's wrong. And he goes on to say she gives little thought to life. She doesn't even know that her ways are wrong. That would be the person, by the way, who's saying God's cool with this. God wants me to divorce my spouse. God's happy with me divorcing my spouse, be with this other person. God's cool with that. I've just showed you the passages. She doesn't even know that her ways are wrong. But they are. According to the Bible, they are. Now, my sons, listen to me. Don't ignore what I say. Stay away from such a woman. Now, I understand that this was written to men by a man who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course. But it's applicable just the other way around. We can say to, to women, stay away from such a man. Don't even go near the door of their house. Or you'll give your riches to others. And the best years of your life will be given to someone cruel. I've seen this one happen. I've seen, well, let's just use a guy, because I'm, I'm thinking of a guy right now. I've seen it with both genders. Who went ahead and divorced his wife. Before this other woman that he was quite convinced that God had sent him. This is going to be wonderful. This is going to be awesome, amazing. And then with time, things began to change. He began to realize all the things that he lost. And by the way, he lost quite a bit. He gave, <laughs> he gave half, his fortune, half of his fortune to his first wife because the attorneys made sure that happened. And a lot of alimony after that even. And then the best years of your life will be given, given to someone cruel. You say, the person I'm in love with will never be cruel. I hope not, but they may be. But even, even if not, I tell you, it can't be awfully cruel to you. It'll be the judge that orders you to do certain things that he or she might order you to do. It can be the way that other people react to you. In other words, what he's saying is you're, you're giving up a lot here, and some of the ways that some people are going to treat you by this will feel cruel. So strangers will enjoy your wealth, and what you work so hard for will go to someone else. So in the, in the way I'm thinking right now, this particular guy, extremely wealthy. I don't know how many millions his wife got on the divorce. Her alimony, <laughs> her alimony after that was $15,000 a month. And when she married somebody else, strangers will enjoy your wealth. And what you work so hard for will go to someone else. You'll groan at the end of your life. Hmm. Then you'll say, I hated being told what to do. I would not listen to correction. I would not listen to my teachers and, or pay attention to my instructors. And there's a lot of people 
that no matter how many times you open the Bible and show it to them, look, this is what it says. No matter how gently, how wonderfully, how lovingly you do it, leave me alone. You can't tell me what to do. I make my own decisions. You're right. You do. I did not listen to correction. I wouldn't listen to my teachers or pay attention to my instructors. I came close to being completely ruined in front of a whole group of people. Does that really happen? Yeah, I've seen it so many times. You may still have some money, obviously. You may still have a business that you own, all those kinds of things. I don't mean your life is completely over. But so many of the things that were important to you, like your reputation, like being part of that wonderful church that you love, that you're now aren't. Maybe the relationship you had with your in-laws that you really liked. Maybe good friends of yours who just could not tolerate what you did. So he goes on to say, be faithful to your own wife. And of course, to women, the opposite would be true. Be faithful to your own husband, just as you drink water from your own well. Don't pour your water in the streets. Don't give your love to just any woman or just any man. You understand? These things are yours alone. It shouldn't be shared with strangers. Be happy with the wife you married when you were young. She gives you joy as your fountain gives you water. And he goes on describing her. And you might be saying, but I haven't always had joy with my spouse. You understand that nobody's always had joy with a spouse. Nobody. But you can have joy. You can have a good relationship. Oh, and oh, by the way, if you're listening to all of this thinking, well, just wait a minute, Dr. Beam. Even if I leave my lover, my marriage still sucks. Okay. We'll be glad to help you with that. As a matter of fact, when people have had the kind of experiences where they were, quote, in love, end quote, with another person, wanted a divorce to be with him or her, you know, wouldn't slept with them or just a strong emotional attachment. When those people decide to go back and fix their marriages and their spouse is also willing to fix the marriage, nearly every time it winds up a much, much better marriage than it was before. Not because of the infidelity but because of the wake-up call that came with it. And so when it says she gives you joy, I'm telling you that we'll do everything we can to help you find that with the wife of your youth, with the husband of your youth. Let her love always make you happy. Let her love always hold you captive. My son, don't be held captive by a woman who takes part in adultery. Don't fondle a woman who is not your wife. He said, I've not been taken captive. Really? Really? How intense and strong is that emotion? Can you walk away? And then this. The Lord sees everything you do. That's verse 21. The Lord sees everything you do, and he watches where you go. An evil man will be caught in his wicked ways. The ropes of his sins will tie him up. He will die because he does not control himself. And he will be held captive by his foolishness. I'll wrap it up with saying what I've already said. If you intend to divorce your spouse and be with this other person, you certainly have the right and the ability to do that. But if you have integrity, knowing what the Bible has to say, you won't blame it on God. You won't tell people that God's fine with me doing this. Because he's not. His scriptures are plain. 
And if you decide, I reject everything you said, Dr. Beam, then that is your real privilege too. But you understand, I just read you the verses. So if you reject this, you reject those. And at least be honest when you tell people that. Well, my version of God is what I think or feel. It's certainly not the one in the Bible because I don't believe that stuff anymore. At least be that honest. And if you still do care what God thinks, what the Word of God has to say, if that really matters to you, then stop this other relationship, please. Put your marriage back together. No matter how bad you thought it was before, it can be done. We will help you do it. And if you're thinking, but wait a minute, what if I do all that? What if I end this, put that other situation away where I'm not involved with this man or woman anymore? Then I try to work on my marriage and it just stays terrible. Then I've given up this great love and my marriage still sucks. I realize that that's a fear. I think it's actually valid to think that way. But wouldn't you a whole lot rather know that you did the right thing and that then, down the road, your marriage doesn't work out. Maybe your spouse winds up leaving you, divorcing you, whatever. At least you know you did the right thing. Oh, and if you're saying, oh, but wait a minute. What, what if it doesn't work out, but my spouse doesn't divorce me? I'm going to wind up the rest of my life without the love I could have had. Hmm. Two responses to that. One is, if you divorce your spouse to marry this other person, it's not going to be... Five years from now, like it is right now, I'll guarantee you that that intense emotional state you're in will go away. It always does. It always does. Whether you believe it or not, it always does. And so then you'll find yourself in a situation where that you'll also have all the consequences that came from being unfaithful, from ending your first marriage, all the kind of things I was just reading to you from Proverbs chapter five, all those kinds of things. And, and think about it this way. If you are faithful to God, by doing everything you can, stopping the affair, stopping the adultery, stopping the infidelity, trying to make your marriage work, doing your best. If, if you do that, I'll guarantee you that God's going to bring you a blessing beyond what you can imagine. No, I'm not God, and I'm not speaking for God now. I'm just telling you that I've seen it oh, so many times, and it will happen. God blesses faithfulness. And he never promised us that life is always going to be perfect. He didn't. And then finally, do you understand? Hey, see, I'm in the last quarter of my life. I've been around a long time. <laughs> I've gotten old enough that I can look back, see all the things I've done in my life, and look forward. And based on my religion, I believe there will be a life to come. And I'm very happy about that life to come because I know all the amazing things that are going to be in it. And I'm not worried about losing any of those things or missing any of those things because I am living my life faithfully. Even when it's not exactly what I want it to be, I'm living it faithfully because it's what I've been called to do. And great blessings come from that. And I can honestly tell you, going back to my wife, working on that marriage, it took a while, but we made it good. It's a good marriage. It's not the ecstasy of the emotions you feel in an intensely emotional infidel, infidelity situation, but it's very fulfilling, and life is good, and I'm happy where I am and happy where I will be when life ends. It's all about trusting God, not using God. 